This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you on this semi-late Monday night with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, wouldn't trade Rudy Gobert for Anthony Davis if he could, co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Obviously, we have some stuff to get to. We were not planning on podcasting tonight, but... Uh, some news might have dropped about some certain player on a certain team that might want to go to another certain team or, or five. Not sure if you've heard it. Before we dive into all that, though, just want to remind, implore, beg, and plead everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. You can also find us wherever else you're getting your podcast, but iTunes is the best way to let us know that you're out there, that you're listening, that you like what we're doing. Uh, take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day, search Hardwood Knox on iTunes, throw us that five-star review even if you don't like us, and then you can leave some feedback in the comments section. If you haven't subscribed, definitely do that. And we are asking that you continue to recommend us to people. Give us shout-outs on Twitter. We will retweet them uh, just because it does seem that people think that we are strictly an analytics podcast, and I'd like to think we are so much more than that. There's some personality here, lots of bad humor, tons of hypothetical trades, I trust Andy's, in addition to his analytic mind, I trust his basketball scouting overall, probably more than anyone else uh, in the business. So there are more things than just stats here, even though we do help and, or even though we do try, excuse me, to contextualize those and use numbers to form and justify our opinions. Just wanted to throw that out there before we get started. But now, before we get into the Anthony Davis trade stuff, I have to ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I feel like that intro was spot on. Um, nobody, uh, nobody does the numbers better than us, but we're also incredibly personable. So it's, it, I mean, it really is the best of both worlds. Not to here. toot our own horn, but I listen. I listen back to us sometimes, and I can't believe sometimes how fast I talk and things like that. And no, we're not perfect, but I do feel like our personalities come across in the podcast, and many of the podcasts I love. Uh, I don't think that that's always true. Well, I think we're uh, incredible, and I am tooting our horn. So right, there you go. <laughs> so today, uh, I woke up this morning. I slept in till like almost eight a.m. and I woke up to the the Woj news that Anthony Davis's agent, Rich Paul, informed the Pelicans that Davis does not have the intention of signing a contract extension with them over the summer and, quote, wants to be traded to a team that allows him a chance to win consistently and compete for a championship. Some other drips and drabs have come out, um, notably that Davis doesn't necessarily have a 
preferred list of destinations, though a lot of people think it's the Lakers just because he had dinner with LeBron and he can't be traded to the Celtics right now unless they include Irving in the trade package. Uh, Sham Sharania over at The Athletic tweeted out, too, that Lonzo Ball's camp wants him to be dealt to a third team that's not New Orleans if he's involved in any talks with the Pelicans and the Lakers. It has also been pointed out that the Pelicans maybe won't, if probably won't, trade Davis until the summer when the Celtics can get in the bidding war, when we know where Zion Williamson has landed and when 2020 draft picks come in play for certain teams. There are so many angles to tackle this from. So the first question I want to ask you, Andy, is what do you think the motive was of Davis asking for a trade now? Some of the reports say he's prepared to play out the season in New Orleans, but do you think he's just giving the Pelicans the respect of saying, hey, I'm gone. You have all this time, including the summer, parts of next season if you want to get rid of me. Do you think he actually wants to go to the Lakers? What do you sort of make of the timing of all this? I think I, I kind of take Rich Paul at his word on that, I guess. Um, he said in that statement that he, he just, they wanted to be honest and upfront with the Pelicans. And I think there are some, um, there are certainly some pluses to that. Uh, I also, I was listening to the, uh, Zach Lowe's done a podcast on this already today with Brian Windhorst and, uh, Howard Beck and they were saying that they just kind of wanted to they they used the term shake the trees and just sort of see what comes out um if if he already knows he's not going to sign long term with the Pelicans I actually do think it's probably a good thing that he told them now because like those guys were saying you can kind of um just sort of see what's out there now the Pelicans have said in their you know response of a statement or whatever we want to call it that they're not going to be rushed. They're not going to let outside sources and other teams dictate how they do this. Um, but they would be crazy to not listen to the offers that are out there. And I'm sure they've already listened to some today. Um, my, my initial thought is that it probably doesn't get done before the trade deadline. At this point, we're what, like 10 days away? Um, nine days, really? So <laughs> that's not a lot of time to uh, put together a trade for a player that's arguably the best player in the NBA. Um, and if they wait till the summer, it, like you said, it opens things up. Then you know who actually has the number one pick. Um, you can deal with the Celtics, which is an interesting thing that I'm not even sure I knew about until today, that they couldn't have both Kyrie and AD on the roster because of a CBA provision. Um, so I, I might be jumping ahead at this point, but I, I feel like unless they're just blown away by something in the next week and a half, they should probably wait till the summer. And I, I think I'm with you there because whatever offers you lose are probably coming from teams that he wouldn't come close to guaranteeing he would stay with long-term. I'm talking mm-hmm. about, and you know, who knows, maybe it could also help you Here's my thing. So the the Celtics, their offer should theoretically improve this summer unless he says he doesn't want to play for Boston because they can't offer anything this summer. So they they would help set the market. The Lakers offer, which should include whatever the fuck the Pelicans want, because I'm still a big Brandon Ingram believer. I like Josh Hart. I think Kyle Kuzma is adapted to the LeBron-led Lakers better than any of the Lakers youngsters. Uh, Lonzo Ball can still make plays defensively, and I would like to see what he could be 
uh, as the lead ball handler somewhere. They're not, they don't, if they build a package around all those guys, they're still not giving up a top 75 player right now, in my mind. Uh, Brandon Ingram has not been great this season. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is, pro- again, is probably playing the best basketball of any of those youngsters. And I think you could, I don't think you could say he's a top 75 player in the league right now. So that offer isn't going anywhere. And so you look at your prop, you're going to get that Celtics offer. And then let's look at, we're not even, I don't want to get too deep into it right now, but let's say a team like the Raptors was thinking about making an offer for Davis that includes Pascal Siakam and all their youngsters and whatever picks. If you wait, there's a chance that one, they're more likely to throw in the full boat because they've, they've understood what happened with Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard. Like if he's coming back, it makes it easier. It also opens up getting their 2020 draft pick as opposed to waiting for 2021. And there are other teams that could kind of fall under that. You know, maybe that's when Philly decides to include Ben Simmons, even though I'm not a fan of the, I don't want to see, I understand why the, the Nuggets too, or the Sixers would want Davis. I don't want to see Davis Jokic or Davis Embiid. I'm just, I'm, I'm not Great. about it. So I agree with both of those. But waiting, I think, ultimately in, improves the offers. And again, it gives you a chance to see how the lottery shakes out. You're just looking at the teams. I know uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN said Davis doesn't want to play for Chicago, but they're a team that could get Zion Williamson. So are the Knicks. There are teams, even Phoenix, like we don't know. They could do something reckless. There are teams in play for the number one pick this year that aren't just going to, to get it if they did and say, we're not going to move it. So I think that becomes in play. And so I agree with you that I think they should wait unless they're blown away by an offer. I don't know where that offer is going to come from, though. That would really blow them away. And I think that's probably the question. What, what, what teams... Uh, here's a good question. What teams do you think should not make an Anthony Davis trade play right now? The teams that they're not necessarily that he wouldn't be intrigued by signing them, but maybe you don't, you don't like the fit there. Um, I'm with you on the nuggets and the Sixers. I don't love the fit with either of those either. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis trade. I think, probably ever since Bill Simmons brought it up a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't love that for Philadelphia. I think talent wise, they probably work through whatever fit issues there are um, and are really good. But ultimately Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis are both best at center. Um, Right. So I just think it's wonky and I I just, I don't love it. And it's, you know, the same thing with the nuggets. Um, What do you, do you think the cleaner fit would be Jokic and Davis? As opposed to Embiid and Davis? Maybe a little bit cleaner, but, and please don't misunderstand me. Uh, they they tried the dual bigs in Denver with Nurkic and Jokic, and obviously Nurkic is not close to Anthony Davis. Right. Um, so, I mean, theoretically, it should work better than that. But uh, I think if your team is built around Jokic, you want four guys who can fly around the floor on both ends of of the floor um and not that davis can't do that i just i'm not sure he's 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 not the perfect running mate for Nikola Jokic. and this is this seems extremely nitpicky because like i said he might be the best player in the nba right now so i i would probably think that philadelphia or denver or other teams would probably just think you know fit might be weird but we're gonna get the best player in the nba so right we gotta we gotta figure out fit later um but but I'm with you. I don't love those destinations. 
I do think if I don't think the Lakers can offer the best package, but if that's where he ends up, that's a very, very intriguing combination for obvious reasons between him and LeBron. Um, as far as your question, teams I think should not go after him. It's it's a big chunk of the league just because if if I was in a front office, I would just be really scared to sign someone when there's so little chance that they're going to – or to trade for someone when there's so little chance they're going to re-sign. I know Paul George bucked the trend, and maybe some small market teams can talk themselves into we, – we can be – we can sell our situation the way the Thunder did to George. I just think that's going to be an outlier historically. I, I don't see that happening with Anthony Davis, and I just don't think it it's – a very typical um, course of events. So if you're, if you're not on that short list of teams and I, maybe he hasn't specifically released a list yet, but I think we can all kind of guess what his list would be. If you're not one of those attractive, big sort of markets, um, it would be really, really scary to throw your chips on the table. Yeah. And I would also think that even teams that maybe you could talk yourselves into saying, Hey, perhaps he resigns there but they have to short-circuit rebuilds. Uh, Brooklyn is one that springs to mind for me. They can offer – they have the salary filler, and if you build something around, it doesn't even have to be D'Angelo Russell because when I when I evaluate trades, and this might be a different from the way teams do, I don't necessarily – if I have to give out a superstar, I don't necessarily want people back that I immediately have to pay. Uh, but if they – I mean, I wouldn't put him off the table, certainly, in Anthony Davis trade talks, but you could build stuff around uh, Kuruks, Karis LeVert, you have the salary filler, Jared Allen, because you're getting a big. I just don't – that seems too risky for teams that are they, – they would be the team that, yes, I think Davis could be a good fit there. I don't necessarily think that he would 100% leave, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see them short-circuit the rebuild. The Bulls are another one for me just because I don't think any deal gets done without including both uh, Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. If you can move only one of them I, – Maybe, but then in that scenario, you're probably giving up a 2021 unprotected first round pick. I'm talking about just this season. Uh, if you're it's, getting him this season, or even if it's this summer, you're are you giving up 2022. And I don't think the Bulls' track record suggests that he's going to stay if he actually wants to contend. And so then that 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 later pick could end up making the trade because they could end up being so bad that it would be incredibly high. I've seen people kick around the Charlotte Hornets on Twitter. And if you include Miles Bridges with Cody Zeller, a pick and some filler, maybe Malik Monk too, definitely intriguing. Miles Bridges is too important to that future uh, to give up to me. That's not saying he's not worth Anthony Davis. And, and there might be some pluses to getting off the Cody Zeller deal. He's a solid player, but probably a touch overpaid given the set center market, maybe even hugely overpaid and it doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. I don't see Davis staying in Charlotte to play with Kemba Walker. That's not a shot against Kemba Walker. I think Kemba Walker needs to leave Charlotte. I just, I understand why the Hornets don't want to move him and why they would want to resign him. I, I want to see Kemba Walker with some help. Those would just be the three teams that I could see kind of coming into trade talks. Uh, I don't think the Nets will, but just as p- people mentioning them, they could try and party crash negotiations. And, and I don't think that they should. In addition to Denver and Philly. Did you see the uh, the bloggable tweet um, at Bulls Blocker? I guess this must have come from a podcast that Windhorst was on. 
today, but I guess he said one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA is Anthony Davis does not want to play in Chicago, his hometown. Yeah, I heard that uh, on the, the low post today that he was on. And he maybe, on. you know, that that's not necessarily like set in stone true, um, but it's certainly out there. The Bulls were a team that a lot of people were, were sort of thrown around. Um, if you had to guess... Um, is he on the Pelicans after the trade deadline? Yes. I did predict yeah. on a previous podcast, and you, you kind of seemed, I don't want to use blown away, but you were a little bit shocked when you asked me, will Davis be on the Pelicans next year? And I just said no. And you were like, really? <laughs> he clearly <laughs> won't be there next season. Yeah, that's... Um, Do you have him play again? Oh, actually, same question to you first. That's what I was going to go with next, yeah. actually. So I, I would agree with you. I think he probably is on the Pelicans after the trade deadline because... Like we've both said now, I just I think it opens up a lot more in the summer if they can hold off until then. Um, however, that <laughs> that leads to another interesting question: What do they do with him for the rest of the season? If if um, I'm, do you send him home like the Grizzlies did with Tyreek Evans last year? Do you ask him to play through it? Do you blow up the rest of the team? Try to find. Um, Value for guys like Drew Holiday, Nikola Miritich, Julius Randle. Um, it, I, I think the ramifications of this trade request going public uh, could potentially just be huge. Yeah, so I wouldn't play him. That's the one thing I wouldn't do. His trade value, it's not going down if you don't play yeah. but it, like That's just not happening. And you need to tank then. I understand that now you're in a market that, isn't necessarily going to welcome a long-term rebuild, but for just this season, it's over because what is getting to the playoffs going to do for you, even if you can. And first of all, that's a long shot at this point. Um, Anthony Davis is still injured and they're now six games off the eight spot. That's just out of the question. The problem is of course, with tanking, they're also 12.5 games off of the worst record, which is owned by the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point. Yeah, uh, they, could guys. they could definitely outtake the Pistons and the Wizards, but when it comes to the Magic, the Grizzlies, the Hawks, Bulls, Suns, Knicks, and Cavs, they're probably not. Maybe the Magic. And that's only if they don't trade Vooch at the deadline. Uh, so I, th- that's certainly something to consider. As for the rest of the roster, it really depends on what they're trying to do in an Anthony Davis trade, which is something we have to consider as we get in potential trade packages. I could see mm-hmm. them leaning towards the Kawhi Leonard-style return, where the Spurs clearly wanted to stay relevant after the deal. And I think this is going to be a similar situation. Maybe they're more open to accepting young players, but that might only be because that they're going to, they should get more for Davis than the Spurs got for Kawhi Leonard. And so I would look at, I would certainly look at moving Randall because you don't have his bird rights. And I don't think that you should get into the habit of paying players substantial money uh, when you are going to start just this new era. And again, they don't have his bird rights test his market. I'm the same way with Nikola Miritich. I would keep Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, I'm on the fence about. Darius Miller, I think you look at the market. But you keep, for now, I would keep Drew Holiday. Just because if you want to continue to stay relevant, um, you can pair him with a a good to great player that you get back. And maybe you get a fringe all-star, like a Tobias Harris and an Anthony Davis trade. And, and so that's just a, a rebuilding point from. I would not completely blow it up. But for, say, I wouldn't trade both Miritich and Randall. I would trade one or the other. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily trade 
uh, each one more, unless I'm getting back some picks or maybe the team is taking back Solomon Hill as well, just because his contract is still close to a value contract, I would say, though he has cooled off this season. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go nuclear just yet, unless you are committed to a rebuild. I just don't think the Pelicans are going to try and completely blow this thing up and build it from, from the ground up right away. The total bottom-out strategy, um, it's always easier for guys like me to talk about it and advocate for it than it is to actually put it into practice. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it would be it would be more than understandable if they wanted to hang on to Drew Holiday. Did you see his quote though today about the AD was ninety percent of the reason he stayed? Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's that's got to be tough to handle for Pelicans management, Pelicans fans. Um, Here's the thing with that though, I go ahead. I, I agree. And if you know if, if they do decide to shop him, there will be teams out there that that want him. His his contract. Only takes him, I think, through his age 31 season, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to be firmly in his prime for the entirety of it. Maybe you could get some really nice offers from the Jazz or, or eventually the uh, Pacers this summer if they think that Victor Oladipo is going to make a full recovery. There will be teams out there that I think would give them a lot. You don't have to worry about Drew Holiday leaving. The dude is under contract. He's yeah. he, he signed through. He's a player option for $26.9 million in 21 uh, 22 that he might pick up. So you have him for at least two more seasons. There's no pressure to move him. And if you do try and compete after the Davis trade and it doesn't work out, he, he's still going to have at least a season plus that player option that he could very well pick up uh, to go through. Who uh, who do you think has more trade value between him and Mike Conley? I would, s- oh, that's, I would say, say him. Say Go ahead. I'm going to say Drew Holiday just because he's younger and I know he's had injury problems in the past, but he's been uh, he's been durable for them these past two seasons. Better size at 6'4". He's 28. And so I, I, I think I would pretty clearly pick him. Holiday's younger than I thought he was. Um, you're right. He's 28 and Mike Conley's 31. I was, I was thinking Holiday before I even looked up those ages. Um, but that... That makes it even more um, of an easy decision in my mind. Though I, one weird thing about Drew Holiday over the last few years, um, his three-point percentage. I was thinking the same thing. For the last four seasons, uh, it's 33.9. And this season, it's 32.7. Uh, every season before that four-year stretch, it was uh, 37.6. And he had a couple years up around 39, 38. Um, if, he, if he could shoot even like average from three, I think it would help his value quite a bit. But even, even where he's at, um, 32.7% this season, he still has an effective field goal percentage, comfortably over 50. He's averaged at 21 points, eight assists, five rebounds. Um, He's, his defense has been well documented over the last couple of years. Uh, if if they can stomach a full blown like let's blow it up and rebuild all the way, whatever team winds up with him could be in in really good shape. I know Jazz fans are like the zombies from World War Z, um, <laughs> going after uh, fake trades for him right now. I, I, I think. Like half of the tweets I've sent out today have had some form of a Drew Holiday response, 
Um, Ironically, from, it becomes a lot harder for them to trade for him after this season. Yeah, I, I think if it, it makes a lot of sense to pounce on him now, and I'm sure the, uh, you know, I'm sure the Pelicans are getting a ton of calls, not just about Anthony Davis, but I, I bet you a bunch of GMs have already gotten a hold of them. What's what's going on with Drew Holiday? What's going on with Julius Randle? Uh, Miritich's name is probably coming up again. Um, I, th- this is like an organization shaking announcement that happened this morning. So. Yeah. I, some, I thought just occurred. Well, all right. So really quick on the Drew Holiday front. I don't know if this helps. My one theory is maybe he's just so gassed from the defense that he's had to play in New Orleans that that's yeah. affecting his jump shot. He is this season shooting thirty seven point five percent on catch and shoot threes and thirty six point two percent on wide open threes. Those aren't great numbers for those marks, but they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thought that just occurred to me, maybe it makes more sense for them to move Miritich than Randall, just because. Is there a chance that either one, Randall's non-bird rights, which are going to give him 120% of his salary this season, are enough to keep him? In which case, just because the market for bigs is always so weird, as well as Randall's play, he's still a defensive liability. So you would only be keeping him at a $10.3 million starting price point. Or could he maybe opt in and say, if I'm going to be the guy on this team after Anthony Davis's leaves, I'm going to be able, my value is just going to go through the roof. Yeah. Or maybe it's an opt-out and just signs the one-year one-plus-one again. So maybe Miritich, just as someone who's a restricted free agent and probably wants the long-term deal is and is never going to be the guy on your team like Randall would because of what he can do as a playmaker, maybe it makes more sense to move Miritich over Randall. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, so Randall has a player option next season. Yeah, nine point one. If he's, I don't, I don't see a scenario in which he would pick it up. But maybe it's, you know, like kind of what Rudy Gay this, did this summer with the Spurs. You know, you opt out and then you just reset. He signed a one year deal, but maybe you could do another one plus one. And so I don't because I don't know how how much more than ten point three million dollars is he going to get on the open market. Randall. Yeah. Well, the thing about the open market this year is there is a lot of it. Um, I'm just trying to think of what's the team that's going to give him I don't know. the offer. Yeah, I, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't think Brooklyn it, would do it. I don't see Dallas doing it. Maybe the no. I, I think they've been more than ten. Either one of those teams, maybe something in like the fifteen, that's sixteen fair. range. Um, but I never really thought about him as like the guy after Anthony Davis leaves either, which is also interesting to me. Uh, with, I guess it would depend on your team construction, but like, which one has more value between those two? My guess would be Miritich, just because the combo wing type players seem to have more value. And I also think it helps that you get him and you have full bird rights as opposed to with Randall, you're going to have yeah. non-bird rights. Yeah. Um, I've... My opinion on Julius Randle has changed a lot over the last two years. I, I think he has uh, somewhat quietly become pretty good. It wasn't quite last year because he was on the Lakers, and they they, they talk about all their guys plenty. Um, <laughs> but this year he's flown under the radar, I think, a little bit. Um, I've I've already kind of like spaced your original question, so I'm sorry. Um, was it which one do I think they would be more likely to move? Well, I guess that's the question, but I'm just wondering if it would make more sense to move Miritich and then try and pitch Randall on. I think so. Yeah. I I think, I think Randall, um, 
while Meritich might fit a lot of teams better right now, um, Randall is more of a guy that I think you could see yourself building a team around. And it's uh, it's kind of a depressing thought to for a team to go from Anthony Davis to Julius Randall as their number one, but that's just that's just kind of the reality the Pelicans are faced with now. Yeah, and so that gets I think that kind of unless we've like missed any angles of like the non-specific trade packages for run, I think that kind of gets us into the teams that are going to actually make offers for him. And so uh, I don't know how much thought you've put into the packages. I had to write about some of them today for uh, Bleacher Report. The Lakers one, I think they're the team that, that we start with. I What are you – the package I came up with, there was a report from – let's start there. The Los Angeles Times is Brad Turner that the, that the Lakers have to start the deal with Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, Zubak, and a number one pick if they want Davis. We need to emphasize should... start the deal. Yeah. Send me the oh okay I just found it I was going to ask you to send me the link to that article because I want to I want to pull those up but I found it the the deal that I came up with was Lonzo Ball KCP Brandon Ingram Kyle Kuzma Zubak and a first for Davis Frazier and Johnson and this is this is actually what I said in there uh, if the if the Pelicans want Josh Hart or Ball there are other permutations that you can build uh, with this deal. And the Lakers should not, to me, be beyond throwing in a 2021 first-round pick if that's what the Pelicans demand as part of that trade. I just don't think their prospects have that shine anymore. And And they have to be willing to give up close to every— I think the goal should be you want to keep one of those four young players and your 2021 first-round pick, but you should be willing to trade one or the other of those two assets that I just mentioned— the a lot of Lakers fans, I, I think, will flinch at that. I get it, and it does hurt them in their pursuit of a third superstar because the order of events matter. At the same time, I have the Lakers at about uh, with this package, they would end up between twenty-seven million and twenty-eight million in cap space, and there would be other mechanisms for them to go out there and get more. Or because they're going to have all that space, you can build these lopsided trades. Um. In free, uh, in free agency, if if other players become available uh, to be had, so th- that would be something to consider. I, this isn't you've already missed on Paul George by waiting. You you can't let that. I just to me, you can't let that happen again. Particularly when we're talking about Anthony freaking Davis. I think that's really going to influence um, their thinking, and it probably should. What happened with Paul George? This summer, if you can get this out of the way now, I think you probably got to do it. Um, This is the third or fourth time I've said this in this podcast, but he is. There's a decent argument to make that he's the best player in the league right now. Um, Statistically, by a few different metrics, he has been. Um, And so (laughs) if you can if you can go out and get that now and erase any of the mystery and question marks that come with free agency or that come with other teams getting in the mix, um, you have to do it. And the thing about that package, it, it may sound like a lot on paper. Who among that Lakers core are we sure is going to be like a superstar player? Yeah, there's no one. I, I, look, you you know how I feel about Brandon Ingram level because I don't I don't think any of them are close to Anthony Davis level potential. But just to be like a superstar or even an all star, 
Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure we can have a lot of confidence in any of them. I, I still have a lot of hope for Alonzo uh, Ball. I'm probably highest on him of the group. Um, I'm lukewarm on Brandon Ingram, and I say I'm probably a lukewarm, maybe a little bit warmer than that on Kyle Kuzma. But I, I wouldn't put money on the fact that any of those guys are going to be all stars. And no, I, and you're I, getting Anthony Davis back. And I think what speaks to how uncertain, and that would probably be putting it kindly to the value of the Lakers youngsters. I don't think this package is enough to get the Pelicans to move Anthony Davis right now. I, if it I'm the Pelicans be, and this yeah. was the best package that was out there, I'm waiting until the summer to see what Boston's going to give me. Yeah. I, I think that would be totally fair of the Pelicans, unless there's somebody in that front office that just loves Brandon Ingram or just loves um, Lonzo Ball. I mean, every once in a while there's stuff, Stuff like that happens in the NBA that leads to some trades that you just didn't see happen, like the the Sacramento Kings, and um, it should come with the caveat that it's the Kings, but they loved Buddy Heald, and and all of a sudden, uh, Buddy Heald is a Sacramento King, and, and Demarcus Cousins is a New Orleans Pelican. Uh, so so every once in a while, maybe you'll get sort of some random champion for a young prospect in in a front office, but I think I would agree with you that their best play is going to be to wait until the summer. And the other thing that, well, one of the things of why they should also wait until the summer, if they don't know what's going to happen with, I don't blame general manager Del Demps for everything that's happened in new Orleans. They, I feel like they need to overhaul the decision-making above him, but whatever they're going to do, whether it's change the coach, change the general manager, overhaul the front office, that's why you wouldn't move. Anthony Davis midseason, unless you're married to this front office structure, you don't want them charged with making the most important trade in franchise history. This is more important than the Chris Paul trade now. Oh, yeah. So Um, that's the other thing to consider. And also about this package or anything the Lakers put together, and the Celtics, this is an issue with Jalen Brown, but they have other stuff to make the deal look better. Getting Brandon Ingram, you have a year before you need to pay him in restricted free agency the same thing with Jalen Brown at least with uh this applies to Tatum it would apply to Siakam it would apply to Ball himself too but Ball makes a ton of money because he was drafted higher you have those two that two-year wiggle room to get a guy and then again like I said have to turn around and pay him in a year if it works out great but what if it doesn't yeah it's uh yeah it's it's tough um, I'm going to move on to the Chicago Bulls one that I came up with. And this is me noting that I don't think they should get in the trade sweepstakes if they have to give up both Markkanen and Wendell Carter Jr. I understand why you would if Davis said, hey, I'm going to stay here. The trade I yeah. came up with was Wendell Carter Jr., Chandler Hutchinson, Jabari Parker, a 2019 first-round pick unprotected, a 2020 second-round pick from Memphis. That, Drew Hall- that Justin Holiday trade was bad for Memphis, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and a 20— 20- a 2021 first round pick with top five protection for Ian Clark, Anthony, who must consent to any trade, Anthony Davis and Tim Frazier. The last note I want to make is why they're going to, we're going to see the same throw in names. People need to stop proposing like the five for one, five for two deals, uh, five for three. I know the Pelicans have guys they could waive, but the five for three deals are probably the limit I'm going to just because the rosters for both sides have to be at no more than 15 at the end of each trade. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, the caveat that you already laid out is is big. You you would need to know whether or not he has any desire to stay in Chicago before you made a deal like that. I 
you know, you and I have talked a lot about Wendell Carter Jr. over the last calendar year, basically. Um, I, I think he has a ton of potential, but if <laughs> basically everything else, I mean, you could, you could make an argument about the value of the picks. Um, but I, I don't think Chicago would be kicking itself over losing Chandler Hutchison and Jabari Parker. Um, you were the only one who was going to be kicking himself kicking over himself. not having Jabari Parker on your team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that's still trying to. Well, you tweeted out last week the gift of like when I start whatever it said when I start thinking about how good Jabari Parker could be again or whatever it said. I died. I'm. Uh, I, I just latch onto these players and never give up hope. Like <laughs> I'm still waiting for the one random Michael Beasley breakout season. Um, it's coming. I promise. Um, but anyway, yeah, it just, it just comes down to what sort of, uh, commitment you could get from Anthony Davis. You know, it's, that just makes me think of something too, that we didn't hit on. Um, the whole tampering aspect of this is interesting too. Uh, the only way a lot of these teams can really talk themselves into going after Davis is if they can get some kind of assurance before the deal is made that he'll stay, which is tampering, um, and I, you know, it's just, it's interesting. I, I, I was happy that the Pelicans put that in their statement that we, we really want the league to try and enforce these rules. I don't know how they enforce them. Um, I, I don't, I think it's going to continue to go on for a long time and I'm off on a tangent now, but I just thought that was interesting that that's become such a big part, part of this discussion. Well, that was primarily aimed at the Lakers, right? Had to have been. Yeah. So I agree. That, I, I agree. I'm glad that they put it in there too. And it'd be really funny if Magic. Magic Johnson was fined again for it. And then what happens What happens then if the Lakers do come to an agreement with the Pelicans to trade for him? Does it get vetoed by the league for for basketball reasons? I would reasons? Say be another investigation. And then they'd – it would be crazy if they vetoed a trade. Um, can you imagine – I think Twitter would probably shut down. Like their servers would overload. Oh, yeah. I would be tweeting at least 20 tweets a minute if that happens. <laughs> Yeah, that would be crazy. The, My guess, if the Lakers get him, they'll probably just do. They'll say the NBA is investigating, and then like two months later, say they didn't find anything. If they did, and it ended up costing them more first round picks after they gave up some of the Davis trade, that'd be hysterical too. I'm not rooting against the Lakers per se, but I think the Pelicans are smart um, to to do, like you said, to put that in their statement. Yeah, they put that out there for sure. For the so that Bulls Pelicans trade. Um, even for me, who's someone who doesn't think the Bulls should go hard after Davis, if you have Markman, Zach Levine, even Chris Dunn, Anthony Davis, and then they would still have a path to max cap space this summer, those are good starting points. That would make them intriguing. I I would ask you, though, is this trade, or even if the Bulls were willing to say, we'll keep our 2021 selection and give you Markman, is this trade enough to force the Pelicans to make a move now? No, I don't think so. I think I'm with you there, too. Although, I'm very interested, specific to Chicago and the Knicks, if you can get their pick this year and a 2021 pick, their track record suggests that that could end up being a very lucrative dice roll. If Davis yeah. leaves, those 2021 picks, but you could, like, top one protection, top five protection, whatever, that could be huge. That would be one interesting... Um, that's a piece of calculus that the the Pelicans should be considering. Um, 
if you if you end up trading him to one of the teams that he's not going to re-sign with, that could end up being a real big win for the Pelicans. The next team up, Los Angeles Clippers. The package I came up with was Shea Gilgis Alexander, Tobias Harris, Jerome Robinson, uh, Teodosic, a 2019 second round pick and a 2021 first round pick unprotected and contingent upon an obligation to Boston because Los Angeles, they're complicated. The Clippers are a complicated trade partner because they don't have this year's first round pick and they're so close to the luxury tax. I'm, yes. Okay. They'd be willing to pay it for Anthony Davis, but they, they can't offer new Orleans any real salary cap relief. So it was to just rehash Shea Gilgis Alexander, Tobias Harris, Jerome Robinson, Teodosic, a 2019 second round pick and a 2021 first round pick for Clark Davis, Frazier and Frank Jackson. The, I don't think I need a long justification, but the, this is a, a trade. If you're the Pelicans that I think helps you straddle two two timelines because Tobias Harris is a free agent this summer, but he doesn't turn 27 until July. He's another one of those players that are, that are kind of sneakily young mm-hmm. and he, he's playing like a fringe all-star this season. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is already good and has the potential to be great. So those are two centerpieces. And if you're getting a, another first round pick, but my gut would say overwhelmingly, this is not enough for the Pelicans to make a move now, which would then remove the Clippers from the sweepstakes. since unless it's going to be a signed trade with Tobias, but if you're going to move him this season and you don't want to go for the full on rebuild type of thing, Tobias Harris and, and SGA are, are an interesting centerpiece combination. Yeah, I think you described it perfectly as sort of a straddling um, timelines sort of a move. Um, the Clippers come up every time something like this happens. Uh, what do you make of them as like the next potential super team? Because every time I hear stuff like this, I, I don't know if it's just like my youth influencing it when the Clippers were such a joke for so long, but... I just I have a really hard time believing um, that a that a collection of superstars is going to end up on the Clippers. Here's my like thought I, on that. I stuff as serious as they think it is. Um, I don't think Anthony Davis would re-sign with the Clippers. Like I I wouldn't be shocked if he just left one LA team to go to another when his free agency was there. Uh, and again, maybe it's just oh to you know, that degree you don't have a faith in them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. And, and again, maybe it's just uh, my teenage years watching the NBA influencing this, and that's probably not fair. But uh, I, I, I just hear it come up every single time. And, and honestly, the, there's maybe two or three teams in the league that I buy as like the next super team. Um, Lakers, Celtics, if they're – I think a lot of people thought they were already a super team. I wasn't there yet, but – Ultimately, I just don't know if I'd buy the Clippers noise. I don't buy the Clippers noise because I, it's going to be a lot harder for them to get to max cap space for two superstars than people realize. It, it's, I mean, if you renounce all your own free agents, you waive Avery Bradley, so he's going to have $2 million there, you're getting close, about $55 million and change, less than that, more than $50 million. You need to get off of Gallo's money to have dual max room, and that's there will be people who are trading for Gallo and maybe absorb him into cap space. But now you're in a situation where, okay, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Jay Gilgis, Alexander, and Jerome Robinson, plus two superstars. I don't know that that's the core that's going to draw into. Now, 
That being said, I'm not as low as them on the sense that if they got an Anthony Davis, I don't necessarily think that he would leave. I think there would be a real chance of them keeping him because they do have, they have some, they have financial flexibility moving forward. I guess if you don't have Gilgis Alexander and Tobias Harris there, the calculus sort of changes. But I do like what that front office has done, um, the way they've transitioned away from Doc Rivers having that president role and, and things haven't blown up there. Their owner and Steve Bomber is great and aggressive and engaged. I, I get your concern overall, but I think if they had a superstar or acquired one in this situation, I don't think they're any less likely to keep him than the Raptors would be to keep Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I mean, they're, they're certainly a much, much better organized um, team than they were 10 years ago or even five years ago. So maybe it's, I'm... It only takes one, too, right? So if... Yeah, they're true. they're probably not going to trade for Davis. If Kawhi Leonard actually leaves Toronto to go sign there, that changes everything. Yeah, that too. Another reason for the Pelicans to just wait, <laughs> um, so you can you can see how everything the landscape sort of unfolds this summer. Yeah, and and it it changes um, it changes everyone's offers too when stuff like that happens. Uh, so I mean. There's, I guess there's a chance he gets moved before the trade deadline, but the more we talk, the more I just think, yeah, they're going to have to wait. Well, here would be – this is one of the few deals that I think if I'm the Pelicans, I would, I might be compelled to move Davis now. It's the Knicks, which maybe that's some fandom bias leaking through from my days that I spent as rooting for them, but Pelicans get Tim Hardaway Jr., Kevin Knox, Frank Nielakina, Mitchell Robinson – this year's first, unprotected, second round pick from Charlotte in 2020, and a 2021 first round pick, top one protection for Davis, Frazier, and Wesley Johnson. My hottest take on this, and I'm not even sure if it's it's a hot take, if I'm the Pelicans, I don't want Kristaps Porzingis. He's recovering from a torn left ACL and is probably going to receive max money in free agency. Even if you wanted to pay him max money, should he be healthy, he's just not going to have the sample size for you to justify making that investment. And from the Knicks' perspective, then, if they're giving up Kristaps Porzingis, who they view as their franchise cornerstone, they view him as the centerpiece and are less likely to include other stuff then. And so I think their offers without him are more compelling. And so with this deal, and I know you're looking at it, so it's easier for you to digest than everyone else, but Tim Hardaway Jr., eating his money isn't great, but he's like a good guy to have on a tanking team because he's going to put up points without (laughs) harshing your draft pick vibes. And, you know, he can also be, if he ends up being your fourth best player or fifth best player in the next two years, he's someone who can theoretically help your offense. And so you have him, that's the money you're eating, but you're just getting, Kevin Knox looks like he's going to be a good player. Frank Nielakina and Drew Holiday would be an interesting fit in the backcourt, albeit not, the like, defensively, they would be absurd, not the best one for floor spacing. Mitchell Robinson could instantly start at center for them. And then you're getting two more first-round picks. And we don't, the 2019 one could be, it's probably going to be top five or top six. And again, if I'm the Pelicans, I would be willing to bet that New York loses Anthony Davis. I'm not even saying the Knicks should make this deal. People gave me shit on Twitter saying it was too much for New York. They're not getting him for less unless he says, I want to go to the Knicks and that's it. Yeah. Um, 
What do you think about Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina, value-wise? So Nilakina's tough because if you look at him with what he's done on the Knicks, his contract is actually a negative value contract. And you could argue that Alonzo Trier would hold more value over the summer when he could be traded, which is fine. Yeah. I want to see him in a different situation that's going to be committed to playing him and give him mm. a more consistent offensive role. You can't the, – the jump shot stuff I get, but you can't ask him to develop into a facilitator or a good cutter or just any sort of offensive player when you're not trying to saddle him with a semi-consistent offensive identity. I think Kevin Knox is going to be really good if he can be on a team that will groom him properly, and I will never trust the Knicks to to develop players. I just, they have, they always have these nice stories. Alonzo Trier is one of them. They never end up keeping these guys, or they never end up seeing these development projections through. Kristaps Porzingis is the closest they've really come in a long time, and he's just one of those players that, can you say that he drastically improved last season before he was injured? Maybe. But he's also just one of those players that might be so good, his improvement comes in spite of the Knicks anyway, not because of them at least. Yeah. Um, this one's interesting because I, I think it's – I mentioned earlier that we all probably can kind of guess which teams he might re-sign with, and I think it's the Lakers. Um, I think the Celtics are a possibility there, and I think the Knicks are a possibility there as oh, well. Oh, you do? I don't. I'm actually pitching this under the assumption that he would leave New York. Um. For some reason, and maybe maybe it's because I'm I haven't paid as close attention to the Knicks as you have over the last few years, but I I still feel like there's some draw. I guess if name. they, why I still think Durant might go there. Yeah, so that uh, that would be the other thing. So after this trade, they'd have enough money after they waive Lance Tomlinson this season, uh, this off season before June thirtieth to go after a Kyrie Irving or a or a Kawhi Leonard, and then if they found a taker for Courtney Lee's expiring salary they would have the Kevin Durant level money that if they get that other superstar and Chris Osprezingis is healthy, that, that obviously changes, but just, I would be, we talk about the Celtics and the Lakers as teams he'd resign with. I would put the, I would probably put three or four teams ahead of the Knicks. Wow. When ranking, whether he would resign with them. I just don't, that organization is the front office has acted more judiciously over the past couple seasons, I just think the, the franchise is that broken and there's the Kevin Durant noise is real. It's also to me overstated. So, and it's not, if they get him one great for the Knicks fans who've endured too much crap, the, the franchise itself though, has done nothing to deserve Kevin Durant. They haven't positioned themselves perfectly because they still have to get yeah. off money. The Joakim Noah stretch that that whole thing is just a disaster. So that's just how I'm sort of looking at it. And so if I'm the Pelicans knowing what the Knicks have been capable of, if I can get Kevin Knox and this year's first round pick and 2021, that might be the impetus I need to make a deal this season. I understand if you or anyone else would say, because I kind of totter on the edge too. No, you know what? Wait for Boston. See what happens this offseason. I would probably wait still if I'm New Orleans. And I, I'm just not as high on Kevin Knox as a lot of other people are. Um, Mitchell Robinson is like the crown jewel of that package to me. Maybe the 2021 first round pick. if. Uh, if Davis leaves. Um, and I, I will also clarify what I said earlier. I think the Lakers are the only team I would be really confident that he would resign with. In fact, I'm pretty, I'm like 99% sure he would. Um, <laughs> the Celtics, I'm semi confident. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics traded for him, if he just went to the Lakers and he went the same with the Knicks. Um, but they're two teams. I, I could see a world in which he stayed. The, the other thing that we really didn't note, though, 
is that if you were going to trade him this season, it's probably key to get back two first round picks because whatever pick you're getting this season is going to be directly devalued by Davis playing for that team this year. I, I thought that actually when you were going over that Knicks trade right now, it looks pretty good. But if, if Davis were playing out the rest of the season there in the Eastern Conference, that could quickly um, become like 10 or 11. So, I mean, that would change a lot. Yeah, they're probably still winding up with – I mean, the top – the bottom three teams have the same lottery odds. They're probably still winding up with one of the five worst records just because there's so much – I don't think Davis is going to make up by himself. Look at the talent that would be around him after this mm-hmm. trade. He's not making up the – they're like six games uh, in front of the Hawks and or behind the Hawks, however you want to put it, in the loss column. The, yeah. Again, I would understand waiting for Boston. The reason to wait for Boston then, though, I guess, is you're hoping for the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown special, that you're hoping mm-hmm. Tatum eventually becomes in play. And I I know there's some debate about this, but I think Boston would be crazy to make him completely off limits. Yeah, I'm with you. Unless Davis – I get I, the – that, that that's like <laughs> – it's kind of uh, oxymoronic to what I said earlier. I mean, if there's a big chance that Davis leaves as soon as he's a free agent, then you look pretty stupid if you gave up Jason Tatum. Yeah. It's not even to me. It's not even if, if Anthony Davis says he wants to resign with the Lakers. If it's, if Davis says I won't resign with the Celtics, that's the only way I would make Tatum off limits. And I know there's reports out there now that say Boston's not his preferred destination, but that's the, if like I would need to ironclad info that, it's not that he's interested in the Lakers. It's that he doesn't want to play for Boston. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. The the two last trades I have, um, the Spurs, and this is just in the realm of if the Pelicans want to go the Kawhi Leonard trade package route. DeMar DeRozan. Exact Kawhi Leonard trade package route. Yeah, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, Lonnie Walker, and then both first-round picks this year from San Antonio, unprotected, and then the one... Uh, from Toronto. They could also try and see if they could get, if they really wanted to, uh, see if the Spurs would include their 2020 pick and then you let them keep this season and and, and just give Toronto's, or you could try and get them to give you a 2021 first-round pick instead of Toronto's this year. And then the Spurs would get Wesley Johnson, Tim Frazier, Anthony Davis. That's just, I'm looking at this from New Orleans' perspective of saying we want to remain relevant. I don't know how far you get with a team that has DeMar DeRozan and Drew Holiday as your primary guys, but Lonnie Walker was a lottery-level prospect that the, that the Spurs picked up outside the lottery. Bryn Forbes has some off-the-dribble flair. Maybe you hit on one of those two first-round picks that you're getting. That would just be, if, if you're looking, DeMar DeRozan has two more years left on his contract after this one. Uh, I believe the final one's a player option, but that's one that maybe he opts out of, or maybe he's willing to stay, because if who knows what the Lakers look like at that point? He has that $27.7 million player option in 2020-21. If you're looking to remain relevant, that would just be one that they could explore. The Spurs never make midseason trades, though, let alone a blockbuster one. Yeah, um, and I guess I guess maybe you could bank on the infrastructure of the Spurs to sell him on staying there as opposed to going to the Lakers. Um, but yeah, that... <laughs> The move from um, Anthony Davis to DeRozan would be uh, – <laughs> it's just a massive, massive downgrade. Um, oh, I'm 100% with you. And it's complicated by maybe you could get the Spurs to give you DeJounte Murray, but he's injured now. 
an extension yeah. eligible. What do you do with that? Yeah. I just, I think it's another package where it's just like, wait, if this calling off that, you just say, well, that sounds good, but I, I think we're probably just going to wait till the summer. Here's one to me that gets super interesting. Oh, the Pelicans get, this is a trade with the Raptors, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Jonas Valanciunas, Delon Wright, 2021 first round pick. It could be unprotected. It could be top three protected for Anthony Davis and Darius Miller. So I think the Raptors situation is a little different than some of these teams because they've already kind of taken the gamble with Kawhi Leonard. Um, Was it? So that? Go ahead. Sorry. If you feel like this, you're, you're essentially doubling down. Did, was game. it a gamble, though, the Kawhi Leonard one? Yes, he could leave, but you could argue that DeRozan's money was bad for True, that. Yeah. That that's a good point. Uh, th- this is more of a gamble than the than the Jamar, or than the yeah. Kawhi Leonard one. Um, the Kawhi Leonard one, you didn't have to give up as much as I think a lot of people expected. Uh, it's just a gamble in the sense that he might leave. This one now, um, you you have another superstar who's you know could possibly leave, but you're also emptying out the farm system, so to speak. Um, they got away with just Jakob Podol, who's good. Um, but if you had to give up Siakam and Ananobi and a first and DeLon Wright, I mean, all three of those guys are good. And, and I think the oldest one is Wright, and he's, what, 26? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that's a lot. But I, I think you could I, – I could see a world in which the Raptors could talk themselves into it and say – we are just a thousand percent in on this season. We think we can beat the Warriors if we have Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis. Um, I guess Serge Ibaka would still be starting in that situation. Their bench would be decimated, um, but their bench hasn't been as good as it was last year anyway. I mean, if that's your top five and you're rolling with like a seven or eight player rotation in the playoffs, uh, that's a very, very real. Um, challenger for the Warriors. They're another team that could just wait and make some version, some variation of this offer in the summer. Uh, DeLon Wright is going to be restricted free agent, so you remove him, but maybe you include Fred Van Vliet instead, and yeah. it's just the same package. Uh, you just send more money back from the Pelicans, who Darius Miller would be a free agent at that point too. Totally workable there. And if Kawhi Leonard comes back, that's a play that I absolutely make, as good as Pascal Siakam is. The sort of catch-22 there is, Toronto's 2021 first-round pick has way more value now than it would over the summer in a scenario in which Kawhi Leonard returns, unless you think that there's still a big chance Davis leaves. So you might have to include another first-round pick on top of that. Or, or again, maybe maybe the package, and this isn't the exact one, because, again, there'd, be, there'd have to be filler going uh, more than Davis going to Toronto, but Ananobi, Siakam, Valanciunas, Fred Van Fleet, and a first-round pick, maybe that's enough to to get it done at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's another one that's intriguing, but at the same time, I, I think we're both probably just leaning towards they'd have to wait <laughs> until the summer. Would you put the, yeah. And I'm, I'm like looking to see if there's like any other pr- like young player on the roster. That's intriguing, but that's like, this is their full boat. So yeah, that's, that's like the Godfather offer right there. The one before I wanted to ask you one question about Boston, but before I did that, do you think the Wizards are a team that should stay away from the Davis trade sweepstakes? They they have this built-in 
centerpiece with Bradley Beal, who more than helps you straddle two timelines, under contract for two more years after this one, and I believe he doesn't turn 26 until June. Yeah, so he doesn't turn 26 until until June. If you're the Wizards, I'm steering clear of it. I don't. You're there's st- no way Davis is staying in Washington. That's what I was going to say. I, I don't think he would resign with the Wizards. I, I would much rather uh, hang on to Bradley Beal and see if I could get off John Wall and Otto Porter's contracts, or at least John Wall's, as, as difficult as that's going to be. Yeah, I figured you'd be on the same page with that. So for Boston, what are you giving up for Davis over the summer? What is what is the package for you? Let me pull up their roster real quick. It's, I mean, you can go Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Smart, and Picks. Yes. Um, I would probably do that. It, it, but again, it comes down to how confident are you in him staying? Have you heard the rumblings about Gordon Hayward? Like, would they include Gordon Hayward in an Anthony? Obviously, they would include Gordon Hayward in an Anthony Davis deal. I don't know why New Orleans would be interested in that at all. Yeah, if Gordon Hayward was the player that Boston signed before he got injured, then why not? You know, you get two years of him, and he would be able to anchor a playoff team. But he's been he he was he is not a top one hundred player this year yet. And look, he's coming back from a big injury. I just don't. I think Boston does it in a heartbeat. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't – when I – I mean, they were even talking about that on that Zach Lowe podcast, and I just – I'm with you. I don't know why New Orleans – He would, would have to be some kind of spectacular for the rest of the season for that to really work. Yeah, that's true. And maybe he suddenly does get his confidence back and his legs feel strong all of a sudden. But And the, I'm, that also, the package I outlined, if Boston wasn't going to include Jason Tatum, it is going to take – just think of how many salaries they have to – you're looking at Smart and Jalen Brown together are going to take care of, I think it's like $17 million of Davis's $27 million salary. You have to include more pieces in there because the Celtics are going to profile as a, a tax team with Kyrie Irving, even if Gordon Hayward uh, – Gordon Hayward, even if Al Horford opts out. So it's like at that point, it it almost just becomes difficult to make a deal without Tatum involved. Yeah, um, Smart, Tatum, and Brown add up almost perfectly. Yeah, so oh, I was wrong about Smart and Brown. Their their salary is actually nineteen point one million, so it wouldn't take too much, I guess. But you almost have to include Yabuselli in there, and then you still need another salary to make it work. Yeah, well, after Marcus Smart's salary, they they get small pretty quick. Um, and after Brown's salary for for what's still on the 2019-2020 books, um, Baines has a player option for $5 million. Yabuselli is guaranteed for three. Robert Williams guaranteed for two. Shemi Ojale and Jabari Bird um, each guaranteed for about a million and a half. Who knows what will happen with Jabari Bird. Um, I, I, you, <laughs> with what's going on with him, I can't imagine his name being in any trade talks. Right. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, it's almost like you said. It's almost like you have to include Tatum and Brown just to make the economics of it work. You could Unless do, the way to get off one of those huge contracts, like Hayward. Yeah, I mean, you could, in theory, go Smart, Brown, Yabuselli, and Robert Williams, and picks. 
or maybe I don't even think you need. I'm, I'm checking the math right now, really quick. I don't even think you need Yabuselli. You could go with a, a semi Ojeli, and it you yeah. All right, so you could do semi um, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown for Davis, and those salaries just it's the four for one. It's easier to work over the off season, and then you include picks. That would be the and I'm giving you give the Kings pick in that situation, whoever it turns out to be. And then your, I mean, you're gonna have you're probably gonna have the Clippers pick. I, you probably have to include the Memphis pick at that point. I'm, we're assuming Memphis keeps theirs. Are you doing that then? Those four players plus Memphis's pick plus the Kings pick. If if you're New Orleans, you don't do that without Jason Tatum, right? That package. I don't Memphis's pick. I don't know. Isn't it top six protected for next year? Picks. Um, I just feel like if Tatum's not involved, that's a that's an offer that can be beaten by somebody else. That's that's totally fair. And then so, all right. So we've already gotten to that level with those four players, those two picks. Then what are you including? The Clippers pick. The you have Boston's has all their own picks. Is Boston giving up a twenty twenty pick? Its own 2019 pick probably won't be too valuable, or or maybe it will be if they're going to finish fifth in the East. And so you're looking at a number 20 pick or something like that. Uh, I guess that's how you have you have to build from there. That package could get super complicated. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, just about any one of these teams could offer the world and just have Anthony Davis for one season. The and this might be the best way to frame this: the Celtics. I think can by far and away offer the best package. I don't know if the what they're going to offer ultimately ends up being the best package. It all hinges on Jason Tatum to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, totally. Do you, do you have any anything else on this, or can we get a? You already said he's going to be um, on the Pelicans for the rest of the season. Where do you think, if you had to guess, Davis ultimately ends up? He's going to be on the Lakers at some point in the next. Uh, what six, uh, seven months, eight months? Okay, trade destinations. I'm gonna give you Lakers, Boston, or the field, specifically for trade. Um, I'm gonna still go Lakers because I think they're gonna apply a little bit more leverage at some point. I, I'm gonna go with the field. I'm taking uh-huh. the field here. Uh-huh. I think the I think Boston's gonna be worried about Davis leaving, which is fine, and won't include Tatum. In the, yeah. Or they'll try and do an either-or situation with Brown or Tatum. Maybe that, if you're getting Tatum, uh, maybe there's something there. But I just think the pa- Lakers package is so underwhelming that if you're not getting Boston's best offer, I think you could go out and find a team that's willing to roll the dice on Anthony Davis and, and give you a better package for him than what Los Angeles is, is going to look like. I think that's fair. Um, this is this will be one that I'm sure we uh, pay very about everything on. Yeah, cool. We, uh, um, how many episodes did we at least touch on the Kawhi Leonard stuff last season? It was, it was, it was just recurring. We always had these new notes on Kawhi Leonard. It's been nice. We haven't had a talk about the Davis stuff has always been out there, but we've avoided talking about it. Yeah. Hooray for And I guess if he's not traded at the deadline and they just shut him down, maybe that'll, maybe that'll allow us to skip it here and there. But I'm, I'm sure you guys will hear from us again. On the Anthony Davis front, um, I have little doubt of that. Did you have anything else you wanted to hit? No, I'm just I'm just looking because you say shutting down Anthony Davis and how far I think the Pelicans could tank. 
They have. Um, I think the Pistons and Wizards they could definitely out tank. To be determined on the Magic and Grizzlies. I'm gonna say no on the Hawks, Bulls, Suns, Knicks, and Cavs. Yeah, I don't. They're not catching that bottom group. Um, but if you want to hit us up on uh, Twitter and talk to us about this Anthony Davis madness, you of course can do that. Dan's at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore Math. Uh, as always, we encourage you to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you've done that already, to share it with friends and family and to brighten their lives and to brighten their their days every time that they get a new episode of Hardwood Knocks. They'll think of you and they'll smile. Um, so until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson.